Hey there, we got some exciting news this week. We've been awarded an arts and culture grant from the city of Fort Myers. These grants are given each year to artists and arts organizations that are working to connect people in Southwest Florida to the arts like we are doing here. So this is the first episode that we can proudly say is brought to you in part thanks to support from the city of Fort Myers, my hometown. And just a reminder that WGCU, the station that we both work at and that we make the show at, is also in pledge this week. Um, If you're hearing this episode, there's only like a couple days left of this actual pledge drive. But basically, it's how public radio stations raise money to pay for shows that we air. And uh, honestly, it's what makes it possible for Mike and I to do the show that we do and with the time that we have to do it. So if you're a public radio listener or if you just really like three song stories and this is kind of new to you, give us a call at 800-533-9428 or go to WGCU.org. And uh, just give what you can to help support the station, which, in a way, is helping to support Three Song Stories. And now, on to the show. One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that forces our guests to tell three song stories extracted from their memories where they've been crystallized for all time through the power of music. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Kyle Ann Duggan. She's a Southwest Florida-based singer, songwriter, guitarist, composer, and arranger. Her brief bio on Bandcamp says, quote, Berkeley dropout with a penchant for hollow body guitars and writing songs about boys. Pedal steel makes me swoon. Please like my Facebook page and buy my music. I really want to quit my day job, end quote. I didn't have much more than that to go on as far as a bio statement for this opener so we're going to go with that for now now on to the song stories hey there kyle ann how's it going <laughs> i'm doing great how about you mike i'm doing really good so the bio that we just played <laughs> that i don't know if it's going to make it into the final version yeah. or not because it's old and inaccurate um, I, I love it though <laughs> yeah well we might have to like put it at the end as bonus content or something so Maybe. anyway so uh, so you allude to the fact that that you went to berkeley but you did not complete berkeley yes talk about uh, your time there why you went there what it was like was that a magical place Berkeley was a magical place. Uh, Just the resources are incredible. Um, It's a really great hub for networking when you're a musician. I mean, everybody at Berkeley is kind of in the industry doing it. Um, But it's, you know, it definitely takes a lot of uh, self-motivation, which Mm -hmm. I did not have when I was 18 years old. So I definitely uh, did not take advantage of all those opportunities while I was there. But I did learn a lot and I met a lot of amazing people. And just the whole experience of living in Boston and just being in this huge city with just music everywhere was amazing. So uh, when did music enter your life uh, as a performance thing? Um, well, I started playing gigs in college, actually. I had a band called The Ex-Girlfriends with my friend Emma, who I actually just visited in Austin last weekend. Is she still your girlfriend? <laughs> she is. She's, she's great. We hung she's out. She's not your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, she's a good friend. And um, we actually played like a little reunion show, but we were a uh, female uh, comedy band. Hmm. So, um, like, uh, like uh, Jack Black's thing, except women. Yes, very similar <laughs> to uh, Tenacious D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just kind of sang very silly songs, very raunchy. I, I have to add, but they were it was fun, and you know, we played quite a few shows doing that. Where was that? 
Um, we played, geez, we played Club Passim in Boston, which is a So that great, was there. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, in Boston. So about what, what about when you were a little kid? When did you start playing music? What was going on around you musically when you were young? Uh, my parents were, uh, you know, they were kind of New York elitists. Okay. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. So, um, and my dad was a musician, so they had really good kind of weird taste Were you in, in New York? I was born in New York. Okay. And I grew up in Florida. Okay. okay. So I kind of grew up in a house full of, uh, you know, just a very eclectic kind of taste in music. My parents loved Oingo Boingo. They were listening to The Velvet Underground and Lou Reed. And um, my mom got me into girl bands and stuff when I was a little girl, like the Go-Go's or the Bangles. So, yeah, just a just a huge mix. Was there music being played uh, on instruments in your world? Um. You know, there were there were instruments out all the time, like there was on the wall and on display. And I kind of assumed that. And my mom always told me that my dad, you know, played bass and that he was in this really great New York band. And but I never saw him play that much because he was he was working a lot. So, hmm. but yeah, it was uh, it was definitely around. <laughs> what was your first instrument then? My first instrument was piano. Okay, yeah. like lessons and all that. Yeah, I started taking piano lessons when I was four. And actually, it's really interesting because my piano teacher at the time, um, she would try to do sight reading exercises with me on piano, but I always uh, tried to learn things by ear. Mm -hmm. So every time she put sheet music in front of me, I never knew what was going on. But then she would be like, oh, no, it goes like this. And she'd play it. And then I'd be like, oh, okay. And then I'd copy it. So that kind of cultivated my – I have a pretty good ear for music. Did you ever learn to read music? I did, actually. Okay. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> well, it's actually funny. That ties into uh, one of my songs that uh, for today. Um, I learned how to read music when I was in kind of middle school and high school. And um, it was always very difficult for me because I always relied so heavily on my ear. But I started playing video games mm-hmm. and um, particularly the Final Fantasy series uh-huh. and video games and the composer for those video games was Nobuo Yuematsu and he composed this just beautiful music for these video games it's kind of incredible like you wouldn't expect such beautiful music from a video game so there was a composer o- for the overarching video game series mm-hmm. oh wow mm-hmm. yeah and um, that's just... how they do it Mike well <laughs> T-I-L <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, yeah I would like play the game and get you know kind of in the story of the game, and then I would think, you know, I really want to, like, learn this music. So I'd kind of listen to the themes over and over again, and I'd try and learn them on piano. And eventually it got to the point where my parents saw how uh, how into this music I was. So they found sheet music for Final Fantasy IX uh, online, and they had to import it from Japan. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, But all the sheet music was in Japanese. So I'm like, well, I guess I need to, you know— learn how to sight read better if I'm going to know which songs are which. So that's kind of what led me to being a better sight reader. So you took piano lessons and sight reading didn't take, but then you just enterprisingly did it yourself. Yeah, kind of. Because of a video game. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That makes perfect sense. Um, Do you still play piano today? You know what? I 
honestly, not really. No? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I could still kind of fake it <laughs> a little bit, but uh, for the most part, it's definitely not my main instrument at all. <laughs> so this first song, then, that you picked, what is it? Mm-hmm. It is actually a song from Final Fantasy X. Um, it's called To Xanarkand. It's a, it's a piano arrangement, and... Um, I picked this song because this is the one I listened to the most. Because I had the sheet music for Final Fantasy IX. I didn't have the sheet music for Final Fantasy X. So I would just, I just remember opening up the game and it was like kind of the main title for the game. So I'd just like listen to that song over and over and over again to try and just get the exact chord qualities and just, you know, I would like pause it and then go to my piano and then kind of play it again and then then pause it again and go back to my piano. Um, And you know what? Even to this day, when I hear it, I'm not sick of hearing it. It's just so beautiful, and it just sets the mood beautifully for this game. And um, that's kind of the music that made me want to go to Berkeley Hmm. in the first place. I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to compose beautiful music for movies or video games. So, um, yeah. And that's why it's one of your three. That's why it's one of my three. It was your pivot toward aspiring to greater things musically. Yeah, it's definitely kind of, it represents my first musical growth spurt, really. I mean, I couldn't not include it. You know, I had a lot of trouble narrowing down my songs to three, but this one, I'm just like, I can't not, I can't not include it. Do you listen to it all the time? Um, not all the time, but... So um, this will be the first time in a while? It, it will be, yeah. Okay, well, let's listen to it yeah. then. Uh, this is, uh, what is it, Two Xanarkand? Z- Z- Two Xanarkand. Xanarkand, from the... Yeah, well, anyway, it's, it's from the <laughs> video game. I don't even know how to intro this one. Take it away, Richard. <laughs> yeah, that brings me, like, right back. <laughs> yeah, that put me in a trance. <laughs> yeah. Um, is the in-game version piano? Yes, it is. That is actually a different arrangement. Um, it's it's definitely way fancier. <laughs> right. But I just, it, yeah, the main version is piano, and I just liked that version a lot. So that's the one I picked. <laughs> um, that's not one you ever learned to play, though, right? You said, I did learn to play that. You did learn to play yeah. that. And how close to that were you in terms of your prowess? I was closer to the video game version, but... I definitely, I nailed the chord qualities, which is what I think was the most important part. If you sat down at a piano right now, could you get anywhere near it? Yeah, I think I could. Yeah? It's been a while, but yeah. You know, the um, the phrasing, like the chord phrasing mm-hmm. on, on video game music is yeah. so strong. Yeah. Um, because those themes have to kind of like work in, it's kind of like the Back to the Future soundtrack, where mm-hmm. like a couple notes and you know what you're listening to. Yeah. Um, I wanted to try something a little different just because how many times are people going to bring Final Fantasy to the show? <laughs> so um, for people who kind of enjoy that and know those games, I want to play something here for you, Kyle. Okay. Um, and if people recognize it, I think it's going to create a similar sensation to what you had. Yeah. So here we go. Oh, I know what this is. <laughs> I love this theme. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, so... It's the overworld theme for Final Fantasy yep. VII, which is one of the most popular editions of the franchise. It's beautiful. And then um, I apologize in advance for this one because it's, uh, well. Oh, the sadness. <laughs> so good. Tears for days. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking at both of y'all choking up. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, and I, this, I just wanted to take a second to kind of ask about that because I had a, I had a similar thing happen 
uh, yesterday uh-huh. <laughs> uh, to, to what you're describing. I went home because you sent me the songs that mm-hmm. you were gonna that you were gonna use for the show. Mm-hmm. So I and it, it put this bug in my head to go home and play some. Yeah. And so I grabbed some sheet music uh, and I started to play that overworld theme, the first one that mm-hmm. that we listened to. And just the first couple chords, I haven't heard it in 20 years probably, yeah. but like I played two chords and then I just started laughing, <laughs> <laughs> just like sitting in front of the piano. Um, what do you think it is about game music that makes, because uh, listeners of the show know that my second song was from Ocarina of Time. Oh, okay. It's uh, Epona's song. Oh, awesome. Um, and so, you know, what is it about game music that do you think that does that, that makes it um, in, immediately nostalgic, immediately thematic? Um, well, you know, I think it's a testament to Nobuo Yumatsu. He's, I think he's just a genius. But I think a part of it, too, is just, you know, Final Fantasy creates all, I mean, all the stories are just so compelling and they just really suck you in. And um, there's a lot of, you know, dramatic things that happen in the game. So when um, when Nobuo Yumatsu composes these beautiful soaring themes to go along with this story that you're so invested in, especially when you're a kid, you know, I think that kind of just adds to the, you know, the, the gut-wrenching quality of it. I mean, that's kind of, that's how it is for me, too. Because, like, you played, you know, the heiress theme, and yeah. I'm like, I just, you know, it brings you right back to that. You know what I'm talking I'm not going to spoil it, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that I, part I think, in the game. I think it says something about it that a game that's, you know, 20-odd years or mm-hmm. so, I think, and they're remaking it now, yeah. and you still don't kind of want to spoil it. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And here I am just being oblivious. <laughs> no, yeah, it's so funny. Richard and I talk about this a lot because I stopped gaming. This will show my age. I stopped gaming when Quake went online. Okay. So it was so compelling to be able to play with people online. That's all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so I quit. That was like 97. I haven't gamed since. But I really feel like I'm missing out. <laughs> you know what? I'm not really that much of a gamer, but I just, the Final Fantasy that series. That was it for that you? That was it, yeah. And I really, I mostly played it just because it was like an interactive story, kind of. And I liked fantasy novels and also the music. Yeah. So, Have you ever considered taking any of those themes and playing around with them on the guitar? I have, but it's just they're a little complicated, and yeah. I'm not that good at guitar. I'm passable. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, do you remember the first music that you owned? First music that I owned? Yes. It would have to be Beauty and the Beat by the Go-Go's. My mom bought it for me. Wow. Belinda Carlisle. What medium would that have been on? It was a CD. That was a CD? Yeah, it was, uh, I, th- I was five years old, would have been 93, and I was addicted to that CD. Like the songs were really catchy, but at the same time they had an edge to it. They had like a punk edge to it. So I think my mom, my mom knew I was into music. Like she immediately like picked up on it and my parents were pretty supportive in my musical ventures. So Was that the first band that you connected with? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like there were these like girl power anthems. Right. And I loved it. And yeah, just again the songwriting was so catchy and it's it was they were kind of punky so i i was i definitely identified with they, that that's still in your rotation today or you know actually yeah i i played it recently for my daughter actually and i'm like what do you think of this and she's like that was fun 
So how old's your daughter? She's six. Yeah, is she uh, influencing your music state taste at all yet? Yeah, have you gotten to that stage where yes. suddenly, yeah, yeah. Well, how so? Any any recent examples? Well, actually, um, one of the songs that I was I picked my three songs and then I picked my maybe fourth song that because yeah, I've I, got it here on the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is definitely an Elliot influence. My daughter, she is obsessed with the TV show Adventure Time. Okay, and. Uh, yeah, the music from that show is awesome. So, <laughs> and what was the song? Uh, Everything stays. Can we hear just a little bit of it, Richard? Uh, we can't because I didn't grab it. I grabbed something else. Because... I put it in there. Oh, did you? Let me yeah. get. Oh, I see it I'm here. proactive. Okay. <laughs> you are proactive. Okay, here we go. Everything so stays. Adventure time. Garden, you'll find something waiting. Is she singing along to that at this point in yes. her life? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like tearing up because it just like it reminds me of my daughter. Yeah. And... Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. So... And like singing it with her. I actually brought some Adventure Time as well <laughs> because it reminds me of my daughter. And um, this is how Adventure Time works in our house. Mm-hmm. Bacon pancakes. Yes. Bacon, bacon pancakes. She likes this one too. Does she like this version of it? Yes. Oh my gosh, I have not played this for her. She would love it. I'm just going to let this run so people can get to the, the hook here. Oh my god, I love it. So so in our house, if if I say, make some, make some bacon and you put it in a pancake, that's what it's going to make bacon pancakes, my daughter across the house will go... Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> it's the only version she knows. That's so cute. <laughs> Isn't sharing music with your kid like the most magical thing? It is, is so magical. Yeah. She's got good taste. Yeah, yeah, she does. She got she got a good ear. Can you tell at this point? Does it seem like she's able to get it right in there? Yes. Okay. So fun story. I I mean maybe I'm biased, but she's a really good singer. She actually she loves Super Smash Brothers, and um, there's a, the theme song from the new. Switch Smash Brothers game called Life Light, I think it's called. But she, like, she, she loves singing that song, and she nails it. She knows all the words, and every time she sings it, she gets the like the she's in the right key every time, mm-hmm. and her pitch is so good. And I'm like, that's awesome. And it's it's funny too because I'm like, do you want me to like give you voice lessons? I can teach you how to you know sing properly. And then she flips her hair, and she's like, I already know how to sing, mom. Yeah. I have it in my jeans. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> um, so she's what, kindergartner? She just graduated kindergarten. Where? Uh, Heights Elementary. Okay. Is she going to, like, do talent shows and all that stuff coming up? If she wants to, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, my daughter just graduated from eighth grade. And Aww. she's, you know, she she sang Castle on a Cloud for her oh fourth grade gosh. talent show. Were and, there and, so many tears. Oh, there's so many tears. <laughs> and then for her eighth grade talent show, she's learned to play the ukulele now. So she Aww. plays The Ballad of Love and Hate by the Avett Brothers, which is like wow. this heavy song on the ukulele. That's impressive. And there were literally people crying in the audience. Yeah. I had two parents come up to me afterwards and just be like, one of them is like, Mike, that's my favorite Avid Brothers song. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the words, oh, yeah. So, so you're, oh, just wait. It's so good. Oh, I man. Mean, the, I'm so the, the, the pride of a parent with a kid on stage. Ah! We, we've totally <laughs> gone down that rabbit hole. So, um, so other than music being played because of your daughter, where mm-hmm. does music that you listen to fit into your life today? Like, how do you listen to it? What are you listening to? Um, You know, it's actually, I I had this conversation with a friend of mine. It is really hard to find new music. I'm still listening to, 
you know, the bands and songs that I loved like a decade ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, when was the last time you came across something that you glommed onto? Um, geez, I want to say recently somebody showed me. Oh, geez, which band was it called? Um, I think it was called Spec Spec Mountain, and it was it's kind of like droney female indie rock, and I was kind of feeling that. And this mm. was uh, fairly recently, and it was the first time I was like, "Oh, I'm digging this," you know. Have you have you kept listening to it, or did it yeah. just catch? Oh, okay, yeah, it's okay. good. Uh, uh, do you buy music with with it has a physical form these days, like albums and stuff like that? I love going to Beach Records and uh, buying albums from Beach Records. He always has a really good selection, and he really knows what he's talking about. Uh, Marty, the owner, yeah, he 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 has a good. He, has he a good came up talk. on yesterday's episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's a solid dude. I think he's doing some cool stuff. Uh, he's you know, he was really supportive of the local music scene, which is just incredible. You know, he's just he's a solid guy. Um, uh, local music scene, like where do you play these days? Like if you had to kind of scatter shot the, the venues people would find you at. I play at Scotty's a lot. Scotty's Beer Works. Um, that's in North Fort Myers. They have just an insanely good beer selection. If you like craft beer, play at Fancy's a lot. If you are in the mood for some Southern food, um, where else am I playing these days? I'm starting to play at Babcock Ranch. Really? Yeah. In uh in uh, Estero. And I'm also starting to play at the Fish House on Matlache, which is really cool, like an unpretentious, mm-hmm. just Florida, you know, seaside bar. It's an awesome spot. Is it generally just or always just you? Do you accompany people? You played with John Davis at least once, right? I have, yes. <laughs> so what what do you, who do you play with? Mostly I play solo when I'm like playing out, you know, different venues. Sometimes I'll play shows with my band. Um, and my band is Mark Davis, who is on this podcast. He's a wonderful drummer. Live at Knife Guys. Live, live at Nice Guys. Live at Nice Guys. That was, oh, that episode made me cry. That was so good. Um, so Mark Davis, Doug Smith on guitar, and he's also in this band called Field Trip, and they're really fun, kind of like psychedelic rock. And he's he's just a wonderful guitarist. And Keith Cute, who actually, his, he's playing bass for me. He's actually... Um, his real name is Keith Cute? I know. He gets he gets that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he, he plays bass. His principal instrument is guitar. He actually went to Berkeley, not at the same time that I did, but he's 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 a very talented young man. What's the band called? Uh, fun story. I don't really have a name for my band. We've just been calling it. You the should Kyle. call it Fun Story. Fun Story. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have any ideas, Mike, I'd love to hear it. Fun, fun Story. <laughs> fun story. <laughs> yeah. So just the Kyle Ann band for now. <laughs> okay. Cool. Cool. Um, all right. It's time for song number two. Yeah. Song number two. So this song. Oh, my God. Everybody that I know, has, I'm like, especially if they're into music, I have to be like, so have you heard of Land of Talk? And they're just, if I had to pick a favorite band like this, it would have to be them. Because Liz Powell, the lead songwriter of uh, Land of Talk, she's just such a, she's just such a cool songwriter. She has this great sound. Her melodies are just so interesting. Like, they go in a direction that I would not expect. And that is a huge influence on my own songwriting. Like, because you can kind of, when you're like plotting out a song and you're playing the chords, you kind of, in your head, you have this, oh, the, the, this melody obviously can go this way. And then I think of like Land of Talk and I'm like, no, I'm going to do something. But it could go. <laughs> but it could go in this totally other weird direction and kind of create cool like dissonance. And... Yeah, so she's she's just a huge influence on me. She has this really cool kind of edgy sound, but at the same time, she's very melodic. 
and her songs are catchy. I'm just, I couldn't say any enough good things about Land of Talk. But this song in particular, I feel like it's just followed me kind of throughout my whole life. Like every time I'm going through something, you know, difficult, a song always has some sort of new application to what I'm going through. And this is another song that I just, I never get sick of hearing it. It's just so beautiful. And the lyrics are so perfect. And it's just, it's just beautiful. I love it. It's like a song that comes along and kind of acts as a I'm trying to, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for here. Like a, like a talisman almost. Or it something is. Like and that. Yeah. I mean, this song, honestly, like it changed my whole career path. Like I initially went to Berkeley, you know, th- thinking I'm going to do film scoring. I'm going to make music for video games. And I heard this song and I'm like, no, no, no. This is, this is the kind of music I want to make. I want to write songs like that. I want to like create a sound like that. And, um, yeah, I think after I heard that song a week later, I went into the songwriting department and declared my major songwriting. Hmm. So. Well, I look forward to hearing it for the first time. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, It's Okay by Land of Talk from their 2008 album, Some Are Lakes. Uh, it gets me every time. It's so good. You've put me in a trance twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, like she, and this is the kind of songwriting that I love, like, it's just very kind of esoteric and kind of abstract. Like, maybe when I'll die, I'll get to be a car. Like, it's just so unusual, but, like, it creates this very, you know, it just it just kind of creates this interesting imagery, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just... Uh, you know who just, does that? Are you familiar with the Weaker Thans? Yeah. That's how I've always sort of described their lyrics. It's mm-hmm. just like, I don't know what you're saying, but man, it's doing all kinds of things oh, yeah. to my thought process. I'm such a sucker for that kind of songwriting. Hmm. Uh, Mazzy Star? Did that remind <laughs> me maybe of Mazzy Star? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that okay. Was, that's what popped into my head. I don't I don't really, I'm not a Mazzy Star fan necessarily, <laughs> but it's what popped into totally my head. I totally get that, yeah. Okay. Um, so, like, where were you when you found that music? Did you Do you remember, like, how that album wound up in your possession? Yeah, actually, I... Um, um, I'm a huge Bright Eyes fan. Love okay. Bright Eyes. Yeah, yeah. And um, Connor Oberst, the lead singer-songwriter of Bright Eyes, he has a record label called Saddle Creek. And I was just feeling like, I need more Bright Eyes in my life that's not Bright Eyes. And so I was kind of looking through like who was signed to Saddle Creek, and Land of Talk was one of them. They're uh, signed to, yeah, signed to Saddle Creek. Mm. And I that record was on heavy rotation after I heard it. Hmm. We saw Bright Eyes uh, at the Tampa Theater, I think it was, when yeah. uh, when um, my daughter was uh, a month away from being born. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it sat right up in the front row or the third row or so, and it was, like, really intense. And it I was, bet. I'm He's... sure she was there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Connor is a very intense performer. It's, yeah. He really puts himself in all of his performances and all of his songs and its shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you a dancer? Uh, I mean, <laughs> like in my kitchen when I've had wine, yes. <laughs> yes, but not. you're not going out and boogieing or anything like that. I mean, no, I'm just, I'm a horrible dancer. No matter how many what times. What about like at a wedding? Will you get roped in? Yeah, probably, usually. See, my, my partner likes to, he likes to dance. He's kind of a. He seems like he would not have the, I'm afraid to dance in front of people. Exactly. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> uh, do you remember your first slow dance? My first slow dance? Yeah. Oh, my God. No. I think it might have been, what's that song? Like, I'll be you crying shoulder. I think it was that. 
I don't know what that song who was is. That? No, that that's there. Where, who was that, Richard? Looking. <laughs> I cannot. Uh, it's, um, Ed, Edwin McCain. Oh, it's Edwin McCain. See, for some reason, I thought it was Fuel. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest totally pal of your life. Where where would that have been? Like middle school, oh, high yeah. school, something S- like that. St. Francis Xavier uh, Catholic School. <laughs> so you grew up here in town. Yes. Yeah. So, so and you came here at what age? I think I was like. Five, maybe four. I don't remember. Okay, so but you've been you've been in Fort Myers or this Southwest Florida area all that time. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Cypress. Oh, yeah. you, was it the Center for the Arts? Yeah, you were in that. Yeah, yeah. I initially, because uh, before going to Berkeley, I was like, oh, I'm going to do musical theater. And back to that dancing conversation, I realized that I can't dance, so maybe I should just do this music thing instead. <laughs> My daughter, she's heading off to Cypress next year. She got in for theater and voice for, awesome. for the center. Good for her. And it's so funny because what you just said about the dancing thing, because up until about. Uh, six months ago, mm-hmm. she like had no, it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it was there. And she huh. was like, she became like the dance captain for Aladdin Jr. that they just wrapped up at Dunbar. Awesome. And, and it's like suddenly she's figured it out. I don't know. I, Good for her. I, I don't got it. She didn't get it for me. <laughs> That's not a genetics thing for yeah. me. Um, uh, are there any uh, peak live musical experiences from your, you know, wh- where you've seen things, who you've seen them with? that um, pop into your head? Geez, off, off the top of my head, um, I saw Dr. Dog and Wilco at Red Rocks. Wow. When I was living in Colorado, and that was just, and I was pregnant with my daughter at that time, too. So that was just a really good show, and I was just, like, feeling really, like, excited about having a little baby girl. And so that was amazing. Like, Dr. Dog has so much energy live, and Wilco is, Wilco, right. like, they're yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. That, and I recently um, saw... Um, David Byrne on his American Utopian Mm -hmm. tour. That was actually, I got, um, I went, yeah. And that was, that was uh, in, where was that? Orlando. And that was amazing. He had his quote unquote untethered band. So they had their instruments like strapped to them and there was like choreography. Okay. It was incredible. And like David. I could picture it. (laughs) Yeah. Like David Byrne, he's like not a young man. And he was like, yeah, yeah, he got some moves. It was was pretty awesome. Um, um, uh, How long were you in Colorado? Only about a year and a half, I think. Maybe a year. Yeah. That place, nice. It was. I visited. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really, really neat place. It's, yeah, there's just like this. You know, you could be in the city and you could be, you know, at, at some hip bar. And then, you know, over the weekend, you can just drive like 45 minutes and be in this just beautiful, like, utopian, like, you know. It's like another planet. Yeah. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's just, just oh, it's just gorgeous, those Rockies. Do you have a favorite song to sing along to? Favorite song to sing along to? Oh Probably lots of them for somebody who can sing. Oh, that's a tough question because I just I like singing along with all kinds of songs. Um, it, I probably have to pick "Hard at Races" by Doctor Dog because it's just so uppity and fun, and there's like all these really neat harmonies in it, and I love harmonizing. It's kind of my favorite thing ever. Okay, so we've been asking people if they have any uh, TV theme songs committed to memory, mm-hmm. but I'm going to flip it for a little bit because of something mm-hmm. that happened with me and Richard in the hallway. Do you have any like jingles from products? Jingles memory. from products. Yeah, like uh, what was the one we were singing this time? You're not fully clean unless, unless you're zest fully, fully clean. clean. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! I, mean, I made. I sang the first half of that and made Mike. He like, came down the hall and he was whistling, and I said, uh-huh. "That sounds like the Irish Spring song." 
And he was like, remember the Zest song? And I was like, no. And then he started singing it. And then it came back to my head. So I don't know if they even make that soap. <laughs> yeah, I know. Do you even know what Zest soap is? Uh, vaguely. <laughs> okay, but do you have any TV theme songs coming into memory? And if so, can you sing it for us? Um, No. Well, I do like that. Maybe it's Maybelline thing. And like, and I, I just, that's the one that's at the top of my head because like, it's kind of a joke between some friends and I was like, like, wow, like I'm a hot mess today. Like, well, maybe it's Maybelline. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so that's by Menon. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, so that's that's. I mean, does I don't know if that counts, but oh, that that'll work. That'll work. Um. Uh. uh so, uh, are you into Broadway musicals? I was you very. Were... I mean, not so much lately, but I was hardcore into it when I was like in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Like learning all the songs and everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Have you seen many? Like, do you go to Barbara B. Man when shows come to town or things um, like that? You know, when I was in high school, my my bougie grandma, uh, she would get the season passes. So when I was in high school, I was seeing all the broad the Barbara Man shows. Gotcha. What so, about music? Um, movies. Movies. Yeah. Um, I'd say I'm, I, I love. I love movies, yeah. Like musical, though. Like musical movies. Musical movies. Like Crybaby. <laughs> Crybaby. Do I yeah. know Crybaby? John Waters. Oh. Yeah. I should know that then. <laughs> I've, seen, I've, seen a, I've seen a handful of musical movies, yeah. Okay, but that, you're not necessarily a huge fan of them or have any favorites that are... Mm, not really. Uh... We like to challenge people as to whether they like Baby Driver. Do you like Baby Driver? Okay, so I haven't seen Baby Driver yet. I know, I know. And that's actually, it's on because uh, my partner, Lee, and I have this ever-growing and list. so he hasn't seen it either? No. We have this ever-growing list of movies we have to see, and that's like at the top. You've got to you just watch that weekend tonight. in front of yeah. you. I watched that movie <laughs> and then watched it again. Yeah? You know what I mean? Like Better I got the second to the end, time. I'm like, eh, Wasn't that well, an Edgar Wright movie? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I love Edgar Wright. There's something about it that's just, Ah, wait till you see it. Um, are there any really popular bands that you're into? Um, I mean, I'm, I, maybe I'm too hip for that. No, I'm kidding. But um, I'm trying to think of just like a really – somebody really popular. Um, is, um, is Phoebe Bridgers considered really popular? I don't know. She's kind of she's she's kind of uh, taken off her career. Um, I've been like really hardcore into Phoebe. Was Bridget. she the smelly cat lady? <laughs> <laughs> That's her. The very same. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, I can't think of any. Like, I mean, her genre is indie rock and folk. So pick somebody more mainstream. <laughs> okay. And if you don't have anybody, that's okay. Um. Uh. Jeez, um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head that are like really popular. Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, uh, Caleb Neff, did you hear his episode? I did. Did you hear the little addendum at the end where he like spaced out on Taylor Swift? In defense of Taylor Swift <laughs> at the end. Yeah. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> oh, you know what it is? Hmm. Time for song number three. Okay. Okay. Song number three. So this is actually kind of an embarrassing story, but I had to put it in, and I, I got permission from like I talked to my partner. I'm like, "Would you? Are you cool with me telling this story?" He's like, "If you want to tell it, you tell it." Um, I this, can't wait. <laughs> so when when we met um, years ago, we kind of had an unusual relationship. We were both in relationships when we met, but we like clearly had like a lot of really good chemistry, and um, we connected so well. And um, at the point uh, we we were at 
this um, the turning point for me was we were at this event and there was there was alcohol involved at this event and um, at that point in our relationship we had been kind of talking a lot and hanging out a lot and kind of like I mean at least I was thinking like kind of denying my my feelings for him. But feeling them. But feeling them, yeah. And then just – but at this event in particular, I remember just like looking at him from across the room and thinking like, dang, like I really – like I I have very deep feelings for him and I'm just not – I'm just not accepting it. Why am I not accepting my feelings for him? And I started to feel pretty, uh, pretty sad about the fact that we weren't together. So I did what any idiot would do and got – very drunk, and um, <laughs> which I would not recommend doing, guys. It was I made a huge fool out of myself. I ended up like opening up to him in this very sloppy way that probably was not flattering at all, and naturally it like rubbed him the wrong way. And I ended up having to get a ride home from my friend Angela, who was on episode one, I believe, right? Uh, Angela Page. Yeah, I think she was episode. Nine? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, well, she was one of our first recordings, that for sure. Yeah. 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 I think she so, was the third person we recorded. <laughs> yeah. So she ended up having to give me a ride home. And I was just sitting at home, wallowing in my misery. And I'm just like, I'm going to put on the mountain goats and take my mind off this. And I felt drawn to the album Tallahassee, which I hadn't listened to very much. And uh, Lee actually uh, lived in Tallahassee for like 10 years. So I was kind of thinking, like, I'm going to pick this one, you know, because it was reminding me of Lee and the song um, International Small Arms Traffic Blues came on. And it's just it's just so simple and understated. And I just it was just this beautiful and again, a very kind of abstract song, but creates a lot of really cool imagery. Um and I just remember listening to that song and feeling like, oh, my God, I just I hope I didn't screw this all up. And but at the same time, that song really kind of made me feel peaceful. And I was just, well, I hope Lee feels the same way about me. And uh, flash forward to today, uh, not to today, but like present day, um, he just asked me to marry him. So, in uh, while we, oh my god, <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my when? Uh, we we were in Austin, Texas. <laughs> Is yeah. this an announcement on the podcast? Like, yes. <laughs> Congrats, oh guys! Oh Congratulations! Congrats. Thank you. So I'm pretty stoked. So I guess uh, so. To this day, the song always reminds me of Lee. <sighs> Well, let's listen to it, then we'll get back into the story a yeah. little bit from the past. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I'm like a little overwhelmed here. <laughs> um, okay, this is, uh, I love the title, International Small, Small Arms Traffic Blues. Rolls right off the tongue by the, by the <laughs> yeah. Mountain Goats from their 2002 album, Tallahassee. So how long between you listening to that song drunk and remorseful <laughs> um, uh, until it became sort of clear to you that that you hadn't screwed it up. I called him the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, he I, I basically apologized for being so sloppy. And he's like, no, we should talk. And uh, yeah, kind of went from there. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and and you're engaged. And I'm engaged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it was so magical. exciting! No, that is magical. And that song, that's you know, speaking of the weaker lands, that kind of had some of that. Like, yeah, you know, that, definitely in that same ballpark. Anyway, um, absolutely. I never, I've never heard of them, and I like that. I'll have to check out more. Um, um, what was I going to say? I've lost my train of thought. You've totally <laughs> thrown me off here with this whole like announcing that you've got an engaged thing. Um, um, uh, what was the process that you used to get down to four or to four songs to three songs? Um, it was torture. <laughs> I just got to say that it was torture because there's just there's so many songs that um, you know that mean so much to me that. You, that I just I'm obsessed with that I want the world to hear, you know. But um, ultimately, I had to choose the songs that kind of created an arc, and that had good stories to them that I could talk about, you know, in a way. So it was kind of hard to find songs that I absolutely loved that meant something to me, but I could also talk about, like you know, there's a story associated with it. Hmm. So. Oh, I remember the thing I was going to say now awesome. that I forgot is that I want to make sure the listeners are clear that Lee that you're talking about is the host, co-host of the No Nonsense Trivia Podcast yes. with Mark Davis, who mm-hmm. we did the episode of Nice Guys with, and that I was on that podcast. So if anybody out there yeah. wants to find it, it was one of the funnest things I've ever done. And and Lee and Mark, if you're listening, you need to have me and Richard and Tara come in and do an episode. Oh, absolutely. That's my little aside. <laughs> um, uh, do you have a favorite band of all time? Is it? I mean, if I had to pick a favorite band of all time, it would probably have to be Land of Talk. Yeah. Who did that? It's okay song. They're just, I just, I love their sound and the songwriting's great. Um, another band that I'm, that I really love is A.A. Bondi. And actually it's not a band, he's a songwriter, but he is, he's a little obscure. Um, he, he only has, I think, four albums out, but he is another huge influence for me and it's one of those rare instances where I could just put on any of his albums and just listen to it front to back. And I don't want to skip any tracks. I just get lost in it. And he just has this really beautiful Americana sound with really thoughtful, sensitive songwriting. And, and it's A.A. Bondi? Mm-hmm. That's like A.A. Like a. A. Milne, like the yeah. guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, are, other than him, are there other albums like that you find perfect in their entirety that you prefer to listen to them in their entirety? Um, it's kind of a long one, but Quadrophenia by The Who. Mm-hmm. It's it, it rem- that's another album that reminds me of my childhood. That was like always in my mom's car when she drive us to school and pick us up. And it was one of the few things that my brothers and I all agreed on. We liked that album. So my mom's like, well, all right, so this is what's going to be playing all the time. But so, but the whole thing, it's a rock opera. Like, it's a story. And honestly, I might get some heat for this, but I think it's better than Tommy. I think it's it's a more compelling story, and I think it takes a more compositional approach as opposed to just writing a bunch of like cute songs that go together. Like they're all very cohesive and um, there's just a lot going on. That's really like, there's a lot of like beautiful pieces of music in it that mm. aren't songs. I've never heard it. I feel like I have to listen. Oh to my that God. It's so too. good. Mm. Yeah. It's like, it's like the ultimate teenage angst album. <laughs> Speaking of teenage angst, uh-huh. uh, what would your 14 year old self think of your now self? Uh, I would like to think that my 14 – I think my 14-year-old self would be like, 
all right, that's cool. Like you're doing music full time. That was the plan. <laughs> like so, I you know I think she'd be and I you know I have these really cool tattoos now. Fourteen year old me would probably think that's pretty cool. When did you get your first tattoo? Like the day after you turned eighteen? I was I think nineteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um, are there any songs that you'll avoid listening to for some reason or another? Um. Well. Hmm. There's just there's a really there's a lot of bad songs. It's funny because I I when I listened to Caleb's episode, I actually thought it was funny that Caleb named an Ed Sheeran song because I kind of feel the same way about that song. I remember that I can hear him. <laughs> but what's funny is that like I actually like get requests for that song. Yeah. When I play out live, so I play it all the time, and I have to like roll my eyes and like okay, I guess I'll play this song. So I'm right there with you, Caleb. But um. That, I, mean, I don't think that's like the worst song ever. Like, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm probably going to get heat for this too, but I'm kind of getting a little sick of Johnny Cash. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, it's like, he's, yeah, I've had it up to here with the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, fun, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I'm not a huge Beatles fan. Okay. Yeah. And actually, this is something that everybody, all my friends think I'm absolutely crazy. And maybe I am. It's fine. I'm just, I mean, I, I appreciate their cultural significance and they're great little catchy songwriters, but it just does nothing for me. It doesn't move me. That's okay. So, maybe, it, maybe the Beatles would be another one. I, man, ever, y'all are going to hate me. <laughs> no, I love this. You are, Johnny you Cash are, and the Beatles. You are creating some outlier data points. That's for sure. Sure. Um, uh, when you do play, uh, how much of it is is how many songs are you have you written? Like, what is your like? I wrote these songs repertoire versus like how many others do you also play? I actually have more originals than covers. Wow. Yeah. I I consider myself first and foremost a songwriter. Mm-hmm. I love writing. I have a lot of original material. When I do play out live, I do try to keep it like half and half just to keep, you know, like you got to keep everybody happy and feel out the crowd and play to the crowd. So every every, uh, gig calls for something different. Sometimes if I'm at like a country club, it's like, okay, I'm going to play more of like my kind of jazz standards, Mm -hmm. some of my more chill, like downbeat originals, whereas if I'm playing at a bar – I'm going to be playing more upbeat 90s type stuff and then my more like band original music. Right. So I try to kind of sneak them in. How often do you add how often do you write new songs? Lately I have been writing like constantly. Um actually yesterday I had a um I had a show at Nice Guys and um I had like maybe like an hour time limit, like an hour little time frame before I had to start getting ready and leaving and I just had this spark for a song. And I'm like, I wonder if I could finish this song before I have to leave. And I did. So sometimes I'll just like bang bang out a song in a day. Sometimes, uh, you know, it'll take a little bit longer. I think my average is probably a song a week. Wow. Yeah. Mm. I just had a lot of creative momentum lately. It's great. Well, cheers to that. Thanks. Yeah, because I'm, I'm actually um, talking to Caleb Neff about um, recording my next album. So... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working on some some new releases. Which well, is you know, uh, we are at the end of the show, which is gonna we're gonna get to hear one of these new songs. Yeah. I understand. Uh-huh. Maybe. Yeah, you Bef- sure are. Before we do that, though, um, who are three people who you will share this with that you think we should pursue to be guests on this podcast? Well, I definitely think you should get Leon because um, he's got a very interesting. You taste. are welcome, <laughs> Lee, anytime. <laughs> So uh, definitely, think he has a kind of interesting taste in music, and he's he's a fun guy. You were on his podcast, you know. He's, he's oh yeah, no, he's he's good people. He's he's good people for sure. I also think you should get on my friend James Deverter. 
He's um he's a local songwriter. He does like indie uh folk and he does a lot of like lo-fi electronic stuff. He's a fascinating guy who also has just a lot of he has he has a just great taste in music. And he's so he's he would be a cool person to talk to. Um a third person I would recommend man, I think I'd have to go with Lilianis. Lilianis, she goes by a um her moniker last minute customer. She's only she's actually very young. I think she's uh eighteen, but she's like a budding singer songwriter and she's just writing some incredible, incredible music for I mean, I wish I was writing as well as she does at her age. <laughs> last minute customer? Last Minute Customer. Yeah, and her name is Lilianis. And she's here local. Yeah. Okay. Well, then when this comes out, give this to them (laughs) and then connect us to them and we'll do our best to get them here. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Then now it's time for your parting tune. Okay. Yeah, this song is a new one, and I it's one of my favorite new ones. Okay. Uh, we make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer. Chris Duffus is executive producer. Our theme song was made by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. And uh, let's uh, hear this parting tune. What's this called? This is called Love Bug Season. Love Bug Season. I wonder why you wrote this one. Uh, This is Love Bug Season uh, by Kyle Ann Duggan. I'm Mike Canary. Keep listening. Special thanks to Julie Kennedy for the guitar that Kyle Ann was just playing. (laughs) It's Love Bug Season, and what better reason to be attached at the hip? Your love all fingers and lips. There's nothing better than this being in love in the springtime. It's love bug season, so we were easing our way down Road 17. We were laughing at everything. I would do anything to go back. In time I don't want to Unattach from you I thought I was A match with you I still lay where you Left me And soon you'll forget me So we caught a breeze and we got combs we lost Wished on a coin that was tossed We didn't think of the cost Now our lives feel over
next time on Three Song Stories. We could hear in the distance a quad, okay, a four-wheeler, which the tree deliverers would use to boot along those uh, those roads into the clear cuts. And so along comes the quad, and Steve, our supervisor, is standing up on the quad naked. He's <laughs> he's wearing nothing. He's wearing nothing but his uh, his chainsaw boots, which we all wore because you bark your shins so much when you're when you're hauling <laughs> over old stumps and logs and stuff that are lying around. Long hair blowing in the breeze on a quad, just booting by everybody's little area that they're planting, trying to cheer them up. As he's mud spattered. He's got this big grin on his face, and I thought, man, that's original.